All right. Union of the Unwanted back April 17th, 2023. Ricky, take it away. What's up? Another episode of Union of the Unwanted. It sounds like my intro. I have to change that intro. It sounds like Drupal Effect. Because <laughs> that's how I open up my show, the other show with it. But uh, yeah, another episode live, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Rockfin. Please, guys, check out our live stream. These shows are always fun. And you get to hear us live. And people like live. So definitely check our Rockfin. And then the archives are always eventually free. I know people have been asking me about that. They're like, oh, you have to pay. I'm like, no, the, the archives eventually are free. So the live stream will be premium. Everything else is free. You can also get the audio free on all the audio platforms. So tons of ways to listen to the Union of Unwanted. So yeah, the out. audio comes out within 48 hours of the episode ending. The, the, the video goes up pretty much in seven to 10 days on Odyssey. Yeah, that's, that's right. Schedule. Yep, it's also free on Odyssey, so check that out. And uh, so plenty to talk about. We're going to have tons of uh, returning guests, some new guests, uh, some old friends. I mean, Jeffrey's here, Susie's here. Uh, we haven't seen those faces in a long time, so that's that's fun. Um, we're trying to brainstorm what to talk about because there's not much going on in the world. So um, I don't know where to start. I have ha- had a lot of feedback about the Restrict Act. Uh, a lot of people have been asking to discuss this on the show uh, i'm sure uh jason Bermas is uh already itching to, to to talk about it do you want to open us up with uh maybe the restrict act because there is a lot of people bringing up the term but nobody's really well not that i know of i haven't heard people really dedicate a episode uh to it you know in many of the podcasts i've been listening to so uh let's do a deep dive into that because it sounds kind of important all right well Before we even get into that, because I think that is important because it is the next step in criminalizing speech and thought and also not only criminalizing it, but setting it up in this terror matrix where you don't have a Fourth Amendment. In other words, you don't have a security in your persons and properties at all, and then you don't really get to have a defense. I I think that the more important thing that everybody seemed to miss, I mean everybody, Ricky, is the Ricky Vaughn, a.k.a. Douglas Mackey case, where everybody thought that was just about a meme. That wasn't about no meme. That was about the FBI taking their Russia, Russia, Russia propaganda, okay? Finding the actual people that were the Russian bots, a.k.a. Microchip, Mackey, Brower, the MAGA3X guys, Flipping Microchip, okay, who's one of the people that went public as to the start of QAnon. He went on Pasobic's OAN, him, Brower, others within DEFCON were the original 4chan posters and the shit posters that they called Russian bots to the level, everybody. I just want everyone to understand this was mainstream news in that even BuzzFeed, got a hold of this person in 2017 who kept total anonymity up until this day. And I'll tell you why that's important in a moment. But never mind the Russians, meet the bot king who helped Trump win Twitter. So on one end, they feed you Russia, Russia, Russia narrative. They're the state actors. These are the guys that did it. In fact, in this article, before the hysteria got too wild, it is quoted as saying, Indeed, in a national atmosphere charged with unproven accusations about massive networks of Russian social media influence, the story of how Microchip 
helped build the most notorious pro-Trump Twitter network seems almost mundane, less a technologically daunting intelligence operation than a clever patchworking of tools. Nearly any computer literate person, that's what's important, that's what they're going after in this act, could manage. It also suggests that some of the current Trump bot hysteria may well be a hysteria. It was all us, not the Russians, Microchip said, and we're not going to stop. So where does that bring us today and why am I bringing him up? They let Microchip, who flipped to the FBI in 2018, that's about the same time that he came out and admitted the Q stuff, okay? Testify against Mackey in court under complete anonymity without anybody knowing who he was in person. And they admitted that even though he worked with him from 2018, they charged him with similar crimes to Mackey. So let me explain what that means. That means a ton of these people that were in the inside already flipped to the FBI. They're already informants. We don't know who they are. And they're protecting their main informant, who was really the Russian bot system that we all heard about and was hyped and lied about. So on one end, they get their Q and nonsense conspiracy theory, and you get to demonize everybody as a terrorist. On the other end, you actually take down the bogus network that started it all. That's my piece. It sounds super complex, like one hand playing the other hand, but it all leads to the Restrict Act. Um, and the Restrict Act, from, from what I've read, I mean, the most uh, interesting piece, like for me, because of my job, is like the the use of VPNs. And, and, all right, so that's important. That's that's one of the reasons we're bringing up microchip. That's what he was doing. He was constantly using VPN networks and then buying Twitter followers and creating bot networks. So in other words, there was 20 bogus accounts at least of microchip alone, including Mackey, including Brower, including other people that have yet to be brought into the public eye. They're criminalizing all of that on a level where it's under the Espionage Act, essentially, where you become the terrorist. And they've already been doing it. We have to remember, pre-9-11, through Hepting versus AT&T, we already knew about Norris Insight Systems that were tracking, tracing, databasing, and duplicating all communications. And as Mr. Vedmore will tell you, we also know about Amdocs and Converse pre-9-11, post-9-11, that had access to 90-plus percent of the phone records in the United States. This all predates Five Eyes. This all predates Palantir, which is going on. And this all predates what the Department of Justice really mobilized during the Trump administration via Assange. And now we're just seeing the next step, guys. They are that ballsy that they're putting it on paper that says, you can't have a fucking VPN. I use IPVanish. No promo code, but I like the service, folks. Well, you know, uh, my whole opinion is, is that, and it kind of echoes what you're saying right now, is that they're already doing all this. They just want to get rid of the legal mumbo jumbo to uh, get away with it. And I have this weird theory about Q, by the way. I'd love to throw this out. I, my humble opinion is that Q was used to beta test uh, these AIs like chat GPT and all that stuff to see if it could actually resonate with people and and uh, people would follow it. So, you know, what basically chat GPT does is like it just takes all the information on the Internet instantly and puts it into, you know, a chat. That's kind of what I think 
uh, a lot of Q was, you know, obviously the information was out there. You have to put out the crazy stuff. So no, you know, some people aren't into conspiracies wouldn't listen to it. Like, you know, JFK Jr.'s alive, trust <laughs> the Patriots and all that stuff. But that. really to me, I have two things more to say is that I think Q uh, was a uh, chat GP, uh, uh, AI uh, test, beta test. And Jeffrey Wilson looks so Puerto Rican right now. That's really all I have to say at that point. I was going to say, Jeffrey actually looks, I haven't seen him in over a year. I think he actually looks younger than last time I saw him. That adrenochrome, baby. Hey, I think the, the uh, Sam, I think you might be onto something there. The, the bots that they currently have are fairly sophisticated. Uh, it feels like uh, 60% of Reddit is just bots. Uh, I would say the same thing about uh, Twitter. I don't know if Elon Musk has had any sort of wrangle on that whatsoever. They're pretty sophisticated. They can get into conversations with you. They can supply back links. They, they will just continue down a train. You can kind of pick them out at this point. But the, the VPN restriction in the Restrict Act, it's like, it's not, it, I don't know if it will make it illegal to own one. What it will do, it will make it illegal for you to visit certain sites. So if you are in the United States and say you can no longer visit Pirate Bay or a, a BitTorrent and you try to use a VPN to do that, that's when you will get into trouble. And also the government will want the, uh, the, the, private public keys so they have complete and control uh, total access to those vpns which they probably already have like this just legalizes it officially uh so they can start using it but when it comes They're when it comes down to like um like corporate america and i like so every major corporation has a cybersecurity team and sometimes in order to know what attackers are doing, you have to go out to these sites to figure out what they're talking about, what the latest threat intel may be. And you have to visit some sites that would be deemed illegal to visit by some of this legislation. So that would handicap certain things. So I'm, they're going to have to put provisions in there that uh, or allowances if they want this to pass. I'm surprised they haven't received any pushback on that whatsoever. But what do I know? There's a there's a wider massive agenda. The reason why all of these things are happening right now, and it's a a, a really basic one. It's a, something that's repeated throughout history. When every new technology forms, they need us all. They need everybody to believe AGI is just around the corner. Just like in the the forties and fifties, they needed everybody to believe that all out nuclear destruction of the Earth, all around the Earth, all at the same time, was possible. Where in actual fact only a certain amount of missiles could be fired you know cuba missile crisis was because they needed to start it like the russians needed to place missiles here because otherwise they wouldn't be able to do that the, the infrastructure wasn't in place but they wanted everybody to have the fear that the infrastructure is in place I, and now we're we're at the stage the first stages of ai here and they, all the top hundred scientists that are involved in artificial intelligence were all asked and i i mean some of these guys could be taken with a pinch of salt but they were all asked when do they think the second stage will be happening when will agi come out of all of this that we've got here and they said 
2070. They come to a consensus. The top 100 scientists on this said 2070. Yet they need us to believe that all of these things are ready because very soon they're going to implement the control structure to say these AI, uh, this AGI exists and needs you to do what we are telling you to do. Uh, everybody from Kissinger and onwards and all of the people in, in, involved with the old New World Order, that's what their uh, message is when they're working with within these sectors to is that oh this, this is right around the corner and it will tell you what to do and we won't understand the reasoning they need us to believe that is upon us yeah it's 50 years away at the nearest guess so i think we're in a and there's one more thing i, I say the twitter uh, from the conversation you're having the, the, you know a lot of talk about hamilton 68 and how that was used now look at who are using it there's a very small network who are using uh, such things who are implementing the laws who are who are really trying to push for these agendas uh, and they're coming out of places like I, i've covered uh, the german marshall fund now in there they house the alliance for securing democracy which has the, the neocons like Chertov, uh, Podesta, and others uh, in it. And they are the ones who were running Hamilton 68. They're the ones who decided who got censored and who didn't get censored. And what I noticed from the Twitter files, I believe this is correct, that they redesigned it afterwards. It hasn't ended. It doesn't change. All of these things are being implemented. And these are human uh, in technical, technological infrastructures being placed to control us. Not any AI, really. This is just like, you know, still humans not wanting to let go of the technology, but wanting us to believe that everything is on the top of us right now. Everything. Yeah, dude, John, I totally, Johnny, that is, that is point blank, 100% correct. Everything is about manifestation. Everything's about manifestation and getting us to believe that doom is here like when they keep trying to tell us boots are on the ground in the ukraine i mean maybe they are but what they're really trying to tell us is hey man we're going to war whether you want us to or not you ha you need to accept this sooner or later uh all this stuff with the you know if you really look at the uh the pentagon leaks right that is basically them trying to manifest us to demand more censorship that's that's what everything is occult magic man it's all occult magic and they're trying to manifest us because this is a spiritual realm and this is how these demons operate so yeah i totally agree with that john well, hey, hey, well, Burmis, the, uh, uh, real quick Burmis, uh, in regards to this, this pentagon leak like i used to think i was gonna know but i didn't get any word of this leak i never saw the leak it seemed like it was like so inside <laughs> like it was so, i'm glad you brought that up because i think there's a lot to the leak um first of all i think that uh Sam's right in the sense that the narrative that the media went with, of course, was the censorship narrative. But what they also said, if you listen to the mainstream, was that they were saying by early to mid-May, Ukraine would be out of weapons, resources, and lose the war unless there was intervention. Now, as soon as I heard that before they even caught the leaker, right, I said to myself, we have to ask ourselves if this is a managed leak to put that narrative out, because they're also putting out the narrative, what, that there are boots on the ground, no doubt about it. Uh, this is something I've reported on the last year. Michael Tracy especially has reported on in the last year that you had boots on the ground via special forces, Merc groups, and secret army programs. And they were the ones directing the war, right? Now, none of this has been okayed, but now you have this leak. Now, it's convenient that before they get the guy, Lloyd Austin, gives a press conference and he's allowed to just invert reality because these are real documents and I'm going to get to that in a minute, but he can say this. He says, 
we know some of the documents are doctored. Okay, so now that gives them an out just to say, well, some of them's false and it's not confirmed, but we can't tell you which for national security. It just gives you the complete upside down. Within 48 hours of that, they catch a 21-year-old kid. And if you didn't look at the documents, you might think that this wasn't somehow staged. Now, I think the kid is actually somebody who believes he's uh, a whistleblower in the sense that he's doing the right thing. And that's why they targeted him. Now, in other words, he was probably in a Discord server with other gamers. Now, this is, I want everybody to understand this, a 21-year-old National Guardsman that probably is like, hey, let's not start fucking World War III. So because they monitor these groups and he's going to be talking to other military personnel, we're talking about even like 90s promise and carnivore software for keywords. They're going to be able to specifically find somebody that dislikes what's going on. And if given the opportunity, may leak information. Now we get to the documents. There are several documents in there uh, that are CIA and NSA specific. There's absolutely no reason and no way that this kid is a National Guardsman at that base in Fort Bragg could have had access to at least those two documents that are, again, NSA and CIA specific. Now, the NSA can access the CIA documents. The other thing that's interesting is we didn't just get PDF file dumps. What do we get? We got photographs of actual physical prints. All right. So if I was a conspiracy theorist, and here's where we get to speculation Burmese, because everything else I said to you is absolute fact. There's no reason that that should have been accessible by him in Fort Bragg as a 21-year-old National Guardsman. I think he gets infiltrated on these boards. They already know they're escalating this war, whether we like it or not. This is a good way to make an example out of anybody that might actually leak documents that hurt us and go against the narrative. It also pushes the narrative we need to send more troops, more money, more equipment. And the mainstream gets to be there like lap dogs, and it's being accepted that the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Bellingcat helped catch this fucking kid. So, I mean, you got to look at this. This is full spectrum, man. That's why I can't listen to not only just the Muppets in the mainstream. you got to watch the alternative. You've got to be looking at every angle. You've got to actually go see the documents, see what everybody else is reporting. Because in other words, Tucker Carlson, you know, he's doing the right thing by reporting that this kid leaked it. And he probably did leak it for benevolent reasons. But what does he talk about? How what? Seven Ukrainians die for every Russian. They're losing. They need more. We're losing the war. They need more equipment. That's the narrative that keeps getting belted out. And that's supposed to be on the you know, truth side of things. And in a way, it is a truth, but it's managed truth. And it's truth that, that, again, can be denied by Lloyd Austin by saying the documents are doctored. So so there's my take. I think it's to give a pivot point out of Ukraine. Hmm. I think these people want to move to Taiwan and move into Africa and roll. I think they got their reset in Ukraine. It's a 400,000 hole golf course right now. Right. There, there's absolutely nothing. They're already American Enterprise Institute and all the rest of, of the goons are meeting would talk about how are we going to rebuild Ukraine? Let's, let's we need to have this investment fund. They've got weapons contracts going out seven to ten years. So they're still going to be able to roll in some material. They're still going to be able to do some some arms shuffling. 
but they've got their CBDC program in place. There's zero confidence in the institution that used to be the Ukrainian government. That's got to be managed by someone or some entity. So there can be global GovCorp that comes in to sort of facilitate the rebuilding and restructuring under the track tray CBDC society that's being implemented in Ukraine. Next door in Russia, they're already doing the biometric surveillance. They've already got a CBDC that's coming out. BRICS has a central bank. They're, they just appointed a brand, uh, former private banker and uh, former president or vice president in Brazil uh, as the head of their central bank. So there needs to be the ratcheting up uh, of forever war. The money laundry has got to move to Taiwan and they've got to get their fourth industrial revolution plans kicked off and up and running in Africa. And this leak gives them the opportunity to be like, well, wouldn't you know, I, those darn generals turns out they weren't being as forthright as we thought they were when we were reporting and we took them at their word. We thought we were winning. We're, it turns out it's a little bit more of a difficult situation. So, you know, gosh, we tried, but uh, they're asking for democracy in Taiwan and we really need to listen to them because China bad. Well, and Steve, you know, mentioning all those CBDCs, I just saw uh, the IMF has their digital currency monetary authority launching an international central bank digital currency. So the one coin to rule them all has now rolled out. And, you know, here we go into Mordor, I guess. Uh, that's pretty terrifying. That's just now happening. They've been setting it up. Of course, our own um, Federal Reserve is rolling out their stuff just this month as well. So that's pretty terrifying, too. And it could be used for all of the above, you know, like we could continue pumping some shit into Ukraine. We could then decide, OK, yeah, now we need to shift to Taiwan. It re supports the Restrict Act by saying, look, we need more control over people's access to various different apps and online control and whether or not they're using VPNs and all of these things at once. And they're always they're always working on multiple different levels at once. They're always pulling off all sorts of different heists with one main thrust. And so that's how I see it too. But this is a uh, very quickly rolling into the exceptionally dystopian future with this one, one international coin. Can I ask, you, does anyone feel, Oh, sorry, go on. Can I ask all of you a question after you've analyzed all of this maximum sophisticated confusion that really confuses us, not you guys, you guys are fucking having a brilliant conversation. What do you, do you believe that all of America, this, this particular country at right now, after coming out of COVID, do you believe that they're going to fall for this new infrastructure that's going to be more credit score driven, more China driven, more totalitarianism, more Marxism, more socialism? Do you see a big pushback? Because after traveling the whole country, I'm starting to see the dumbest person, the most ignorant person, starting to ask more questions. So when you, hey, I'm in the room. This, I mean, I kind of <laughs> narrowed down to maximum sophisticated confusion. You know, we're over here looking at this. We're over here looking at this, but this might be the master plan. So if it's AI, if it's credit score, if whatever it is, do you think that this country right now, after coming out of the last three years of bullshit, when we now know the media is lying, we now know that every agency is captured. We now know all of these agencies, IMF, World Economic Forum, all of these agencies have been working against us. The UN, you know, they, we now know they want to remove our charter, um, our constitution. And down. Do you believe that America is going to fall asleep completely or is going to be fucking completely chaos 
in the next 24 months. I'm really curious about that because when I see dynamic people like you talking about these serious issues, maybe you might've been talking about them in silos maybe two years ago, but now I'm traveling all the time and I hear regular folk talking about the shit you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, okay, somebody's paying attention. The butcher stores that's closed, you know, the shoemaker store that's closed, the kid that's getting fucked in high school and college, you know, parents are starting. Dude, what do you, where do you think this is going to go, you know, uh, in the next couple of months? Because I'm very curious because when I'm out on the road, I see a different kind of spirit out there. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe people are paying attention. So you think America is going to respond to this in a horrifying way that finally breaks down these tyrants the way we should have done 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. We keep letting fucking ass come back because we never finished the job. Like Fauci is still spinning his will. You know, the Congress is still spinning their will. You know, mm-hmm. senators, it's all bullshit. So at the end of the day, when, when do you think America is going to top off and do what, you know, what they're doing in Great Britain and what they're doing in France and what they're doing. When do you think that's going to happen, guys? I'm just curious because I love this conversation. I could be a part of this all day long. I know about the military industrial complex. I know about the prison industrial complex. I know what the banking industry is doing. I know about the divestment that's happening all the major cities in America. I know I've been studying this shit all my life. So I breathe it. So I'm listening to this conversation. But can anyone tell me, do they really believe that America is completely fucking asleep? In, in, in this analogy, just that uh, was just said, uh, there about the one, like, coin to rule them all. I think there's going to be a large amount of the population who are akin to Gollum and will follow whatever light, desperate light, this failing society and culture yeah. gives them. And they'll go, Gollum. Well, is that, is that, and one, they'll is just that, walk towards, that, not, that, not the biggest part, but it only but, takes. Okay. Is that 1%? I, I give, you know, like I give you an example. In black communities around the country, they're already divested. They don't have shit. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're going to, you think they're going to just subscribe to this? Or do you believe that poor communities eventually are just going to say, I'm going to surrender my ass to all of these people and I can't go to the bank? To get what I, I mean, I'm really curious. That that is the big mystery to me. Well, how about let me ask? Let me ask you a question, Kevin, specific to the black community. What portion of the community do you think is currently employed by or beholden? I tell you, that's a good fucking question. I was going to ask that. But the majority of the intellectuals in my community are shitholes. Nobody's listening to them anymore. The poor guy, the middle class mom. The one that don't know what we're talking about, they see the scam because they're used to being scammed. So the black bourgeoisie, the black intellectual, the black pastor, yeah. the black pseudo businessman that they're propping up, the black music industry now, that's which is a joke. The black, I mean, nobody's really listening to them, but the most ignorant people, which are our children, because we've allowed our children to listen to this shit for years. And this is why they're trying to snitch out everybody else in the community with that Freaknik series. And it's, I mean, I don't understand the lie. I really don't. Like, who fucked up? Well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you this, though. I'm glad I came on to this because this is probably the most realest conversation I'm having with people in a long time because everybody's bullshitting. You know, that's why I call it maximum sophisticated confusion. So if you look at the black music industry, if you look at the black, black artistic community, if you look at the black, um, political intel, intelligentsia, nobody's listening to them. But now if you look at mainstream media, you know, they'll put redhead Sharpton on and all of these other, you know, uh, I call them the proxies of the oligarch, the guard dogs of the oligarchs. Nobody's listening to them. 
the voting in this country has been decreasing in the black communities like you cannot imagine. So they'll tell you 95%, 85%, 85 and 95% of what? Because the majority of the people in black communities are not voting. They're like on the sideline. They're not listening to all of the language about building our communities again, private partner, private public partnerships, sustainability. They're they're caught on to that con job because of the internet and because of the web. People are having bigger and different kind of conversations. Kevin, uh, with the voting though, is they may not be voting, but more than likely someone else is voting for them now. Well, that is that is a fact. And majority of the black communities, I give you an example in Newark, New Jersey, where we used to have thirty and forty thousand. I live in Florida now, thirty or forty, fifty thousand people voting. You know how many people voted in Newark, New Jersey, in the last two political cycles? Thirteen thousand. Mm-hmm. You're never going to hear that on TV, not mainstream media. And you got a lot of people on social media that think they know what's happening. I'll give you an example. I just wrote an op-ed um, for Bobby Kennedy supporting him for president. But the first thing I told him, don't fucking go into black communities talking about, you know, social equity and using the slave man's language or your fault. Mm-hmm. Well, like, pay attention what if he has like some hot sauce in his purse or whatever? Is that oh cool? God. Well, one thing about Bobby, I don't think he's that fucking stupid, but I just got to tell you, when people are now talking to these various communities, forget about just the black community, people are more suspect because they never change their language. They never change their science. So I, I'm just telling you, this is a great, I mean, you got you to call me more often. I just had the great time. I had time to come on because I'm just chilling out for the night. But I got to tell you, this is Good conversation, and I can be myself on this. Every every place. So the the question is this: going back to your first of all, I I agree with so much of what you're you're saying right now. Is there going to be an upright? Why is the rest of the uh, world rioting and America doesn't seem? I I I know why. Because black people, white people, white, black, Puerto Rican, green, the dumbing down of our youth. Right? You know, you got forty year old fucking men living on their mother's sofas. You know, you got broken families. You got people making up excuses for beta men and beta women. You now have people going around saying, I'm now a woman and no women are fighting them back and saying, I'm a woman because I have a baby. I got a uterus. I bleed. I got breasts. I'm real. And everybody's being quiet and trying to be polite when they're trying to deconstruct God's grand design. So I'm like, I mean, even women, I'm surprised that these feminists, well, that's the problem, that they're not out there saying, what the fuck? I'm a woman. That's not a woman. What about all these athletes that are talking all this shit, but when the woman comes, they don't walk off the stage. If all of those women just walk off the stage, right, and don't perform, he's only swimming and playing golf and playing whatever by themselves. You know what I got? Here, here, here's what I want to say. So I was just in uh, Canada. You know, I was doing Toronto. Graham's, uh, I know it's not his neck of the woods, but his country. And I know there's a lot of chaos out there. And so uh, I got very nervous going in because I talk a lot of shit, a whole lot of shit. And the people on my co my co-host like thought there might be a chance I might get detained and stuff like that. I couldn't get in there quick enough. They, no, they were not, just, I just well, I just left Canada. The same thing. No problem. Yeah, no, it was like cool. I was running a marathon, and and the uh, you know airport security was handing me Gatorade and encouraged me yeah. to run faster. That's how quick it was to get in there. So then I get to Toronto, and like everybody's having this amazing time. And so the the whole point of this is like what we're being sold 
in in our social media is like like that Trudeau is putting us putting people in in uh, Uyghur camps and stuff like that. Not that there isn't stuff going on because I know Graham's done some great stories on what's going on in Canada, but it's like there's so much of what is happening on the on the social media versus what is reality right and, and and it goes back to this occult stuff so the the point is is like when I, when i when i'm boots on the ground anywhere it's never what i'm told ever like well, I, I, I went think, I, I think in canada you might see that but i know a lot of very interesting people in canada and it's become a slave state it's no no i don't just well, I, but, I'm not but you're right i was at the fairmont you let me tell you why you're right i was at the fairmont hotel in vancouver it was packed I mean, I mean, maybe they're just oblivious to what's going on. Maybe they just accepted it. But at the Fairmont Hotel, man, give me a break, guys. It was packed. Right. So the, so the whole Sorry, Sam. I just think that we're gaslit on a level of acceptance. Yes. When it, when it gets to the point where it actually affects your bottom line, a.k.a. I've got to take this hate and lie shot maybe several times just to feed my family, people end up bending the knee. And then you also have the Stockholm Syndrome people that just can't help but accept it and try to accept the mainstream narrative because they can't imagine what they may have done to their own bodies and even their children's bodies at this point. To the level where I, I unfortunately think you're talking about putting all this stuff in place. All they really need is 20% of the country to go along with it, 60% to be indifferent. And then that's why we have this domestic terror narrative. So you can take those people out through all these methods, whether it be the Patriot Act, Homeland Security, Fusion Center, Signature Reduction, and now this new Senate bill, right? All these tools to criminalize thought and speech. But at the same time, if any violence kicks off, now they have their civil war, they have their target. Let me just give two small examples right now, how we've been gaslit on just a major level with the presidency of the United States, okay? Donald Trump can go into a Florida stadium with the UFC, which is in business with Disney, by the way. I got news for everybody. It's not just Republicans watching the UFC. Standing ovation. He's sitting next to Kid Rock, which everybody should hate because he just gunned down Bud Light because they hired uh, Dylan Mulvaroney or whatever the fuck that thing's name is, right? So... <laughs> You got a $6 billion loss. Everybody can see. Anheuser-Busch. I mean, nobody talks about it. These guys have theme parks for your family on top of it. Biden hasn't given a press conference in months. When he's asked by Roker what he's going to do for 2024, he starts talking about pushing eggs out and rolling them in. He has no fucking clue what's going on. And the mainstream media, 95% of them act like he runs something. Well, you know, he's in charge. Good point. I, th I think that the, the mainstream media is done. I think what you're doing is eclipse them. They're over. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody turns on. Look, I got fucking seven TVs in my house. I might turn it on once a week. Now, if I'm doing that, I got to tell you, there's a majority of America that's not tuning in. They're tuning in to you. That's what the big secret is. It's not a big secret anymore. Nobody's watching. Nobody's watching Al Roker, who took four shots and almost died. Nobody's talking about, I mean, all of those guys look like fucking zombies on TV. They yeah. the same damn thing. I mean, Fox is in the hospital right now, guys. Just I just want to say something out. real quick. I went on uh, Facebook today and saw two people that I know pass away suddenly at night. And, uh, you know, I just want to be like, hey, man, we tried to tell them, but 
But I just want to go back one more time to to my original statement that we're kind of following up on right now. So uh, during during the height of uh, BLM and Tifa, I was asked. I was one of the few comics that was still touring during COVID because I knew my fans would show up and they didn't care about anything. So I go to Portland and I had these guys who were opening for me and they they had they had a podcast called Good Morning Jonestown. I, I'm not sure if they still do it or not, but. They, I got there and they were working with me. I go, hey, man, what are, what are these rides like? And they're like, we haven't seen one yet. I go, what? They go, we haven't seen one yet. I go, how is that possible? So one night we're like, let's go find Antifa ride. So we drove around, we drove around, we drove around, and we found this little park. And when I say little, I mean tiny park. <laughs> and there was a 100 people there maybe, and they were they were like throwing water balloons at this like national guard guy standing in the door that was it and then i go oh the way they're shooting this it looks like a fucking war zone and what i'm trying to say now is everything that all of us have been talking about for the last you know three years is 100 true but so much of what is really happening is this spiritual war in which they are trying to heighten our anxiety so that we do we manifest them to do whatever they want to do. And that's what's really going on. They want us to be unhealthy. They want us not to pay attention. They want us not to interact and love each other. And to me, that's the real conspiracy. They want us to think doom and gloom is coming so that we just do whatever they say, which is stop loving each other, stop having children, stop doing community, stop reading, stop working on stuff, trying to have better, uh, you know, buy, buy housing, buy land, buy, buy uh, farm animals, buy gold, all that stuff they want us to be like it, the end is near digital currency and i'm not saying digital currency isn't coming but they really want us to believe that it is a it is a done deal and we can do nothing about it when we can do i think we are the power we need to understand that so we have a wide variety of people on this show and if we just all meet with our community whatever that community is and we start just spreading the not trying to save anybody because we can't save anybody we got to give people hope that they can save themselves and that's to me the whole thing right there hey, well, i totally agree with you sam it looked like i found a new tribe but i have to go but do me a favor you send me a text Wherever I'm at, I'm coming back on this show. This is the best conversation I've had in a long time. And I, I really appreciate coming on and spending some time with you. But you make sure you send me a link and I'm going to come on every time that I can come on because this is where the real conversation happens. And I love you guys. Be good. Thanks, Kevin. Sounds like the union of the unwanted is wanted. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> there's, two, there's two spiritual entities at play, at play. When you're talking about, there's like a, a vision from both of them right now. One's really confused because one has got ethics and morals, wants a family unit and all of that. Sees the other side and goes, that's a really dark place it's going a really dark trajectory and we get panicked and so we we we're, we're all uh we're all over the place we can't organize properly we can't get get people to come onto our side because the other side's so scary you don't want to be uh on the other side to them and so lots of people have kept on their side that is changing that is changing but this is leading there's two visions for the future there's one that's fair and there's this, which is a dark vision of a potentially uh, a want to go into a transhumanist future where there's no individual anymore. There's no space for the individual. It's just a, 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 a big 
blob of nothing that has a, a, an AGI mind and knows what we all want and how we all want to feel, even though it's all just airy-fairy nonsense. That's it. Well, one thing we keep talking about is how mainstream media is dead, but that, that's obviously a good thing. And uh, you would see statistics over and over again about how younger and younger people were getting their news from social media. It'd be Facebook, Twitter, or whatever. But so we're like, oh, this is good. Mainstream media is dead because it was controlled and they had a narrative and it was propaganda. And but what's the alternative? Now kids are getting their information from Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, which is propaganda and controlled. So. It's just, it's kind of the same problem. It's just a new problem or it's just, it's an old problem, just, you know, in a different version of it. <laughs> it's a Hegelian uh, problem. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why I, I don't know if you guys saw Parlor, right? They're, they're not working. They're down for some reason. Uh, if you guys try to go under their, their, uh, they're their done forever. They're done. They, they yeah. closed down yeah. Yeah, because it's not easy to put together a social media network, as you know, Ricky. And when it's unfair, when a, it's not start your own thing, when all of a sudden you have the narrative controllers, the signature reduction crew saying, no, 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 that's it. And by the way, <laughs> even with the uh, open source um, Twitter algorithm that's out there, it's admitted the government has a back door. We're not even talking about signature reduction and we're not even talking about former CIA, NSA, FBI still there. I want to repeat that. They're still there. There's still narrative management. If the government wants to come in and change the algorithm towards an individual or group, they still have that ability. That was exposed last week. Nowhere. No one's talking about it, Rick. Yeah, I, I, my my Twitter, my original Twitter is still go gone. I can't get it. It's like me and Eli Musk. I, I'm, I'm dangerous. I'm a very dangerous guy. Uh, I also want to get into something that I believe that you go, why, you know, if the, if the mainstream media, and this is going to get into weirdo towns, okay, but if the mainstream media really is dying, why is there message everywhere? And I also think that has to do a lot with ley lines and the fact that most of these uh, corporations, these news corporations are located in in uh, certain PowerPoints on the ley lines, which tend to be ample uh, amplifiers. And it's and like that's all done on purpose, man. And that sounds like crazy talk, but if you're really into like hidden history, uh, ley lines are a giant part of it. Energy and these things are these these certain uh, coordinates on the ley lines are amplifiers. So they, you know, Hollywood, I I would guess one, Washington D.C., New York, these are all powerful places that amplify messages and energy so that's a big part of that as well so i think that's a big issue and again parlor's probably going down because the masses believe that elon musk has opened up twitter to both sides so there's no need to go on these alternative stuff so in that way it becomes a limited hangout which i do believe elon musk is is very much a limited hangout so you know play you know places that we're trying to get go they create a safe place for a conservative talk have kind of been left in the cold. And now once again, they have corralled, uh, the other side into their, their, their brands that they control. Sammy, what if we took all the alternative media servers and we located them on ley lines? Could we sort of magnify uh, some of this energy for ourselves here? Or what are we talking go. about? 
And wah, then we wah. just kept having in-person gatherings and festivals at locations along ley lines. And Let's then beat them at their own game. People to do that as well. No, I no, no. Conservatives are all like fucking you. Their power is contingent on our belief. Yes. Yeah. We have to go through that, training right? just like you do when you're doing protesting. Like we have to train people because they're going to infiltrate that shit too. So we have to yeah. train people to see through, you know, how to spot a fed it's pretty easy actually yeah i look for nice jaw lines that's what i look for when they have a really <laughs> proper jaw line i'm like oh you're a fed for sure uh but like, haircuts and new balances and, confused and you, like, looks confused looks that's yeah. it. and just asking you what's your name what's your address what's your phone number hey what man are, you are we gonna make here? some ghost guns or what guys Where's the ghost guns at? Um, I mean, like the conspiracy theorists, what do we do? We we do the opposite. We run away from ley lines. We end up just going deeper into the forest where there's less amplification, probably better for our health, but, uh, you know, harder for communities. So there is something about sitting down and fighting, but, but there's also that you can't save anybody. And if you still listen to the mainstream media, which there's people in my life, that I love. Some of them are walking around behind me left and right. They they love the mainstream media. I can't save you. If, if the lying liars have lied to you for the last since, I mean, well before uh, 9-11, but really hard since 9-11 and even harder after 2015 and you still listen to them. Well, you know, you're ju you just have uh, you, you're just a glutton for punishment. Well, Kevin was talking about like what percentage of the population do you think well because europe's always been a weird thing during covid i'm like europe they they've many people have family members or themselves have lived through dictatorships revolutions uh government overreach so it's like how are they falling for it like america it's always been this like beautiful story of how we're against all those things and we've created a perfect system that bypasses all that and uh so i can and really you know most americans don't know much history outside of their own which is obviously a, a very small sample size so to to me like it was always kind of confusing i'm like how did europeans fall for it? but then you do see where eventually they push hard enough they push back but americans are almost you know i always say like we almost um and i say we even though i'm a foreigner myself but i grew up here we almost live in like some weird version of north korea right like a north korean you know they, they leave that country and you're like are you sure our leader isn't the greatest golfer ever and isn't you know and doesn't have to poop because he digests his food so so perfectly like all these like illusions that they grow up in and like we are growing up in a similar illusion and the reason why some portion of the population you'll never get through to is because of i forget who mentioned it i'd love to for them to get the credit for it but like it does start with schooling it starts with brainwashing at a young age there i know a lot of good people they'll just say like oh, you know they just do what they're told they're not bad people you know they just do what they're told they're they were raised that way it's like you know listen to authority be a good student listen to your teacher listen to your coaches listen to you know be nice to the policeman like don't you know so what happens you create maybe a civilized society of, of some sort with these type of people but they also just do what they're told all the time and most of us you know got here because 
we, you know, we didn't get brainwashed because we weren't paying attention in school or we didn't get brainwashed because we always pushed back and it got us in some trouble or we had some life event that made us question things, you know, like, you know, I know many people in, in the vaccine movement, you know, that pushed back because they're like, okay, they had a personal story and they're like, okay, I was told to listen to, you know, authority, to listen to the doctor, to listen to the guy with the PhD. And now my child is harmed. So now I'm questioning everything. So I, I think sometimes it, you know, the people who don't have some giant life experience that, that completely shatters their worldview, like they're just unreachable. Like they're going to be just, it's so deep rooted in their DNA to just do what they're told. I mean, how many people did we talk to during COVID, you know, in our personal lives that we're talking to them and you're like, you're, you're sharing information. They're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But I don't know. So I'm just going to do what I'm told. And you're like, oh my God, like I, there's no hope with this person. Like they're never going to, they were told their whole lives to just listen and do what they're told that even if things don't make sense, they can't go against, you know, their DNA, what they've been brainwashed to do. Well, and that's part of the illusion we were talking about where they can easily make it seem like, you know, everyone believes this and everyone is doing this and this is how, this is what's actually happening. And, you know, yeah, this protest is super bad and everyone should be afraid of it. And it's not even actually happening. And actually all the opinions you're seeing are bots and, you know, the education system, I feel like is the same. Um, you know, and I was a teacher for many years and I feel like there's a lot of teachers actually who, if they could be a little bit more freed or if they felt a little less fear about retribution that they might ask more questions or they might push back on certain things but especially as the i guess like woke fury mob like proceeds and and other things like that they just have so much fear around it that they're like well i'll just i'll just kind of go along and i'll try to do what i can and then that adds to the illusion that all these authority figures agree with this and believe in this too when they don't actually and it makes me wonder sometimes even the people who seem to be the loudest and stupidest aren't don't even believe what they believe but they're just feeling like oh if i don't do this then i'm not going to be loved i'm not going to have friends i'm not going to be accepted and you know it's all of the indoctrination centers and another thing might be full of people who are actually uh more likely to be our allies if we could just kind of break through or give them like a safe way to express themselves and that's why it's so important to to not be a fence sitter it's like we are you know, we're scared, yes, of that retribution from people, but it's so important, especially as women, that we do stand up because like you guys, there's mostly men I see on this call, you guys have like a boldness about you that's just innately there. But women, we tend to just be more, um, a little bit more reserved or, uh, you know, wanting to like make sure everyone's happy and feels loved and secure and supported and whatnot. So I think it's really important now more than ever that we do we do stand up and we speak out against this stuff. I can say, like Ricky was saying earlier, yeah, I had the life experience of my child almost dying from vaccines 15 years ago. And I have to live every day of my life with the fact that I almost killed my child because of my lack of education and my lack of informed consent. You know, he's 16 years old. He's 6'5". He still can't speak. He spells now through a letter board, which is miraculous. And I'd love to share more about that with you guys later. Um, and we just won the, the Phoenix Film Festival for Documentary of the Year, uh, highlighting the, the style of communication he uses, which is absolutely phenomenal, being Connecticut next month. Um, but, you know, we are totally screwed over because we didn't know. We didn't know what questions to ask or what to do. So now 
I'll sit here and I will listen to you guys because I so appreciate all the information that you bring, but I am always focused on the vaccine mandate issue. I am always focused on parental rights, these school-based health clinics where they are going in, they are putting school-based health clinics in junior highs and allowing 11, 12, 13-year-olds and up go and get consultation on STD treatment, on gender identity treatment, where the teachers will identify your child as the opposite biological sex and they will not talk to you about it. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. So I am I am the parental <laughs> rights activist and uh, I, you know, I'm out here doing the best that I can, but there's a lot of pushback. And being a woman yeah. in this space, I get a lot of hate. I get death threats. I get all sorts of messages from people that are horrific, but fear is not going to control me because my mission and mandate at the end of the day is to save the babies. So that's why I'm here. And I'm just, I'm so thankful to be a part of this team and to be connected with Ricky and you guys, you're just, you're fantastic. And listening to you and getting to be here, getting this information out there to the masses is what we have to do. So thank you. Definitely check out the documentary Speller. I'm sure probably some people have heard about it, but please do. It is I, I, the whole concept for people who don't know. It's pretty in, crazy when you think about uh, a lot of kids who didn't have communication ability and were autistic. And we just assumed it's because of their lack of just cognitive ability and what we're learning through these techniques is that maybe they just didn't know how to communicate, but they were feeling and they were sensing and they were comprehending things that are going on around them. But it was, it, it's almost like somebody, it, you know, uh, it, it actually kind of reminds me of, remember that, um, Metallica song one, you know, it's like it, you're just, it, that's when I was watching, uh, or learning about the, the, the movie, I was thinking about that, like this, a person who their brain is working, but you're cursed with not having the ability to communicate what you're thinking. And, uh, so it might, and well, I'll let Susie actually explain this better than I, than I can. But, uh, yeah, because I think it's just, it's, it's completely just shattered the way we thought we understood autism. Well, and that's, that's one of the things that JB Hanley says about his son, you know, Jamie Hanley, who is the reason that this book came out underestimated an autism miracle and now spellers the documentary is what if everything we thought we knew about autism was wrong? And it's now not a question. It's everything that we thought we knew about autism was wrong. It's absolutely, it's a definitive statement. There's, so, there's, some, I mean, there's something amazing about autistic kids that uh, is just uh, uh, completely astounding if you work with them. I worked with one kid uh, back probably seven, eight years ago, um, a guy called David who could pick up uh, VHS videos. He had loads of them around. And in the dark, he could rattle it, and he knew which film it was. And it just like for everybody, it become like this gimmick where everybody goes and looks at this kid who can do this amazing. You've got hundreds of videos all around. You can pick any. You'll just you'll rattle it. You'll be like, you know, Little Mermaid. He won't have anything else. No DVDs, nothing like that. He loves his videos, so he can do that. If you can t learn how to use things like that and his methods of communication to communicate back, it's just like game changing. And one, I sorry, I'm really sorry to interrupt that because it was really interesting. But there was one thing that was really on my mind about the vaccines because when I worked with kids with autism, what I discovered is a lot of the parents they know they know the society's there and the culture's there that they know that their kids have been uh, damaged because of vaccines and the majority of them cannot accept it, cannot accept the fact that, you know, they, 
that's something that they've decided to do. And so the idea of it is something they seem to stray away from. And I had some really awkward conversations with parents. And that was the first time when my, my mum was an anti-vaxxer. So it was the first time where I saw how people who had kids with autism were kind of like suffocated by society and how society looks upon it um, to say, I'm with society and vaccines didn't do this at all. No, we know that. We've been told that. And we're taught it when you go to, uh, to learn how to do this sort of training, this sort of stuff. You're, you're taught loads of stuff well, like that. And the parents have to believe that it's not the vaccine. Steve, I don't mean to cut you off there. I'm just going to say this one thing. The, the parents have to believe that because if we admit that it's the vaccines that cause these issues with our kids, then we are admitting that we harmed our children that we allowed this harm to happen to them. So the cognitive dissonance is so strong because as a parent, your only job is to make sure that you protect your children to be safe and healthy, and then you hope that they're happy. So that pushback is so extreme because then you have to look yourself in the mirror and said, I could have done something to stop this. And that's so a very me difficult ask, conversation to have. Let me ask this in all sincerity. Do you have to have this for everybody? Do, do you have to have some sort of rock bottom moment before you could admit that you made a bad investment, that you made a bad decision or a series of bad choices before you can then process and go on with it? Because I know like, I mean, I, you know, Sam's done the recovery thing. I have, I don't know how many other people have, but I know that there's been a bunch of people who have gone through some shit and then had to bounce back from it. But it usually wasn't until you had that like, you know, recognition of, oh, okay, well, this was a series of bad investments, choices, whatever on my part that led me to this spot. Does it have to be like that for everyone across the board when it comes to these poisons? Because I, I wish there was a way to give people permission to disengage from bad investments. Do you know what I mean? Because it's political, it's the whole team sports mentality, the whole pharma mentality, like all of that is just, there's been a ton of financial investment in it. There's been a ton of emotional investment in it. Spiritual investment has gone into it. Physical investment has gone into it, especially if you've got this shit coursing through your veins, you know? So the the permission to disengage from that, I think, is what a lot of people are just missing. And I don't know how to communicate that effectively, that it's OK to walk away from a bad investment. It really is. Well, and that's why I'm saying, like, we have to, as women specifically, and all of us need to, but we need to be willing to stand up and to speak out and to speak the truth and and not be scared about losing everyone. I mean, I lost my entire family speaking out against this stuff. Everybody, literally every single person except for one cousin and my brother were, they walked away because they didn't want to believe that there could be anything wrong with vaccines, even though my son had severe reactions. So I would say as far as you have to hit rock bottom, he had a severe reaction at six months old and I took him back at a year because the doctors convinced me that the reaction was not nearly as bad as, as what could happen if he got one of these vaccine preventable diseases. So I brought him back. After I harmed my child, I brought him back again. But I don't live in that. I don't live in that space. 
I obviously have apologized to him numerous times, but thank God he has grace and he has forgiven me. And now I just work to getting the word out there, getting the information out there as boldly and broadly as I can on every platform that I'm allowed to speak, which is why I'm going to be at Rebels for a Cause and Franklin while I'm here tonight, while I'm speaking on stages and at legislatures throughout the country, because that's what it's about. We, ha we can't allow these injuries to be done in vain. And we have to honor the unwilling sacrifices, really, that our kids made. So I think that we can do that. And then we can educate. I became a holistic health coach because I understood about foundations of health. I understood then about learning how to detox the body. And now I have helped in the recovery of like over 100 kids at this point. So we have to do that. We have to find the solutions, find the positive, find the hope and move forward. And that's where I, why I'm here and what I do. I think yeah. part of this too, and I don't have a child who's vaccine damaged, but you know, Steve is talking about recovery and I'm in that group too. And, um, you know, Jeffrey behind the scenes is talking about everyone who's been duped in one way or another by the mainstream or by propaganda or by indoctrination. And really all of them have this in common where we have to forgive ourselves, you know, for just being humans who are willing to trust sometimes and hope for the best and who go along with things. And later, you know, retrospect 2020, vision is there and, and that's not our fault and uh i think it's really important it's part of the healing process and it's part of why we then are able to then go share our stories and share these truths and you know be willing to risk the people who are going to walk away because we forgive ourselves and in doing that maybe we can encourage other people to forgive themselves too and not carry this burden around because you do that is part of the healing that has to happen for you to go through this and come out the other side where i think most of us have luckily ended up yeah, Dell would say that, and and so many others would say that. They're like, why, why do you think any parent would jump to the conclusion that a vaccine hurt their child? Like that would be the last thing you want to believe is that if you had any control over this outcome. But you also shouldn't shouldn't feel bad about it because you're only as good as the information that you had. I mean, I, I have so many parents that would listen to episodes like, you know, Susie's been on a bunch and uh, Dell and, and Dr. Brian Hooker. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I vaccinated my child. I'm like, it's not your fault. It's the fault of the liars and the big pharma and everybody else who fed you these lies. I mean, you not everybody, um, you know, ran into maybe the same documentary or podcast or researcher that I did that maybe put me down this rabbit hole sooner. So if I didn't, you know, if I wasn't in this community, if I wasn't in this world, I probably would have done the same thing, you know, if I wasn't as skeptical as I am. So, um, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, but please, people, I can't stress enough. Definitely check out the, the movie Speller. I mean, it's similar to a lot of stuff we talk about. Like, it's one of those things that will just kind of shatter your worldview like many things in the world like we probably have it wrong and you know we, there's probably a reason uh we always talk about the illusion that we live in like there's a reason why they molded this illusion a certain way and this idea that somebody with autism maybe doesn't have communication or cognitive issues it's a motor skills issue so it's they they can comprehend and they just can't get that information across and it's amazing to see these children that are now communicating with their parents and um through you know writing or or, or you know spelling different ways of spelling it's just phenomenal and it and again it just like most things like are vaccines good are they safe and effective like most things like we've been lied to and the worldview that we've been given is you know not true and should be questioned so um continue to question things one in 36 is the new number. 
of children children born in America that now have some form of spectrum disorder. One in 36. And the one in 36 is based off of eight-year-olds. And it's eight-year-olds and then three years it takes to process the data. So it wasn't until 2017, my son was born in 2007, it wasn't until 2017 that he was even counted in those numbers. So one in 36 overall, it's about one in 20 boys. And if we if we take that data and we roll it back for the way that they're delaying their, the release, we're probably more at like one in 10 boys and one in 20 girls. Dude, how is that not the real epidemic? Like, why are we not it, investing? It is. It should be. On this is why, like you know, uh, many of us, like uh, Susie and, and and myself, who've always had a lot of shows with like people in this vaccine community. Anytime I do a show on, I'm like, this just feels like one of the most important topics. And luckily, after COVID, I and I would talk to some some other people who who are podcast hosts. I'm like. It wasn't until after COVID that a lot of other shows start focusing on this topic because there was a lot of other stuff to talk about. Obviously, geopolitical stuff and and a bunch of other stuff. So, like now, people realize, like, holy shit! Like maybe this topic that's been neglected and and kind of you know talked about a little bit, but what hasn't really been a focus. Maybe there's you know this should be a focus because, like you said. I don't know anybody who doesn't have a relative who has an autistic child or has one themselves. Like, so wh- why aren't we spending every minute and every resource looking into like, how can this be happening? And why does this keep getting worse? Like, we have to pump the brakes at some point. And it's like, everybody's just accepting the fact that like, yeah, autistic kids is just a part of our society now and it just keeps increasing and nobody's asking why or how or, or how do we, you know, put an end to this? Because we can look at historically, like obviously it's increasing as the vaccines increase in the schedule and they put COVID in the vaccine schedule now. And, you know, people get those religious exemption forms, please like get a template, find one online and, and use them. Most schools won't give you a hard time. I, I, my kids have never been vaccinated. They've, they've gone to public schools, uh, most of their lives during the COVID masking thing. I took them out, but they're back because they want to see their friends and, and whatnot. And, um, so please use those, uh, those, uh, find those religious exemption forms. Don't let your kids get vaccinated and also do some unschooling because that's the other thing that's really important. Like when they come home, take the time to talk to them. What did your, uh, what did your teacher talk to you about? What did you learn? You know, and and really invest some time in trying to figure out, you know, what they're being told, what they're being taught. Because if you're not answering those questions when they're curious about the world and and how everything works, somebody else is, and somebody else is influencing them. And you know, luckily, I have a, we have a small business. My my family does, and and that's where I work, and I have the free time to uh, send out invites to the show, but uh, also um, talk to my kids and, and spend time, you know, uh, really invested in like being as present as possible, because I know if I'm not there, when, when they have a question, who's going to answer it or, you know, they're, they're going to be watching YouTube or TV and there's just propaganda coming at them from everywhere. And it's just, you know, you have to be involved. I know everybody thinks that like their priority is putting food on a table. Well, you're putting food on a table for a brainwashed child, you know, if, if you're not uh, spending some time talking to them. 
Well, look at how they gaslight too the whole autism thing where they've started this whole movement to like celebrate autism. And, and yes, on one hand, you, it is important to recognize that people with autism are functioning, beautiful human beings who have a deep intellect and often honestly to me seem quite psychic, but that's my own thing. So they have exceptional skills often. And yes, you obviously acknowledge that, but celebrate autism is strange to me and to pretend like this is some sort of gift to people and I've worked with enough autistic kids to know that it is a tragedy and it's horrifying and they're suffering and there's always going to be suffering even if you do all the remediation that you can uh and they have this but this is now how we're supposed to react and it's very like part of the brainwashing I think that we go through for so many things nowadays where we're just like oh just you know celebrate this and include this and love this and you're like well actually that's mental illness and actually but this it's, is vaccine which damage. is weird it's, right it's only certain autists and it's always the transhumanist ones well you know what's weird is like you know so much I uh, like I don't like you know obviously I'm a man and it's very easy to go all oh, women 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 but I mean like you watch these drag queen story hours it's like always white moms with their do- with their kids gleefully staring at this the the it, they buy hook line and sinker every single story on the news about oh vaccines causing autism has been you know, debunk. And you're like, well, no, it hasn't at all. It's been by, debunked by people lying to you about what's going on. You know, so so it's like for me, dude. Like, I, I'm I'm gonna be honest with everybody. I have a daughter. She's on the spectrum. She's uh, crushing it. And you know, so I've done a lot of research into this stuff. And what I think a lot of the things that are going on is that each one of us has a cup. We like a cup. And everyone's cup is of different lengths, a different uh, depth. And But once that cup gets filled with toxins, you're going to see some effects right there. So that's why some kids don't have it and some do. And the way they're able to completely annihilate people that bring this up on the highest levels and how quickly people don't actually want to have a conversation, but actually just want to hear what they want to hear. Because they, again, they don't want to think they made any decisions that might have hurt anybody is mind blowing to me. I mean, I don't know how most mothers aren't paranoid. Okay. At what is going on in the world, especially when it comes to their children. The fact that the quote unquote, the more, uh, uh, open minded, liberal thinking people who are, and I say this on every, every time drag queens get brought up, but when, when, when we look at like these people who tend to be, in therapy on medication and find microaggressions of sexual harassment by male toxicity in everything and anything are perfectly fine with a grown man dressed like a street hooker gyrating in front of children is mind-blowing to me because we've now made everybody emotional it's everything is now it's there's no discussing of facts it is just straight up e emotional everything is like is it depending on your political beliefs is this r or is this d is this uh conservative is this liberal and whatever you fall is what you run 100 percent as hard as you can into the wall defending and it blows my mind especially when it comes to children let's let uh the most patient puerto rican i know jeffrey wilson talk uh. <laughs> 
Oh, hey, what? What are they? What are they? Come on, Jeffrey. Hey, then out of way, then out. Now I'm good. I'm just I'm I'm just wow, just listening. My mind is it's one of those like it's so much fucking information in my brain right now and listening to you guys I'm just playing catch up ball trying to just there's a lot going on in the world and in these conversations and just listening to you guys. Wow, it's been a minute, but I, I miss all of you guys. Some of you guys I haven't met before, but oh, just to plug your show, one of the best debates on vaccines was actually done on the conspiracy farm. And I'm sure you remember this. It was uh Del Big Tree and one of Pat Miltich's friends and George Pardos, yeah. Yeah, plug it. Which where can they find that? It was a great because they actually went in to debate and then <laughs> actually found some common ground and found the flaws in the system and like- yeah no it was dope i forget which number it is but if you punch it in um i don't know if you can find the conspiracy farm just looking for the conspiracy farm i think you can but it's under that podcast network and you can find the different episodes you have to kind of scroll through to kind of know exactly which number but yeah that was a really good one that was a that was a really good one and it was I don't know. Not not too long before that, it was we kind of saw this coming because I remember. I don't know if you guys remember the whole measles vaccine in New York, where they were forcing. I think it was like a Jewish community to get the measles vaccine, otherwise you couldn't. And I had said, I'm like, man, and I'm not doing the whole prognosticating thing or any of that any shit. But it it we're one we're one outbreak away from forced vaccines, and here we were, however many months later, and um, you know shit went wild. I don't know how much time we got, and I know you guys like to move around and shit, but I have to ask you guys, you know. In the words of uh, the great Charlie Robinson, we are watching the controlled demolition of an American empire. So what do you guys think of like what we saw in not just the mayor saying it wasn't crazy, but what happened in Chicago the other day? The mob. Now, that just wasn't something that just happened sporadically. I'm thinking like Arab Spring, like this was coordinated. And how much more are we going to see this happen? These mobs going around, destroying shit, ultimately creating unlivable spaces and creating smart cities. I know it's a huge leap right there, but... I don't know. I don't have much time. So it looked, you guys like, uh, it looked like TikTok apocalypse. That's what it looked like. It looked like it was like, you know, you can get these guys to go to the center of actions because they're on their phone, just constantly trying to film content to become the next big thing nowadays. Yeah. You get all of those people into one place. You get like this, this sort of like haze of everybody trying to outdo each other for the next thing. If you put a couple of other antagonists in amongst it, what are you going to get? from more do, does more anybody fun. see that as in any way organic because i mean that was hundreds of people and i don't care how many friends you have no. that was again going back to like the arab spring and again i think it's you know the the, the new mayor is going to be worse than freaking beetlejuice and i think they're going to create this unlivable city which isn't too far from cleveland ohio and i don't know if you guys remember when the when the train derailed the mayor of cleveland ohio was talking about making cleveland the first 15 minute city and that's along the great lakes and chicago's not too far from cleveland is am i am i crazy and thinking down the line this is something they're going to try to create and make these cities unlivable walmart targets all pulling out of these areas and these mobs are everywhere it's not just chicago but i was so disturbed to see what i saw in freaking chicago i used to live there i used to i mean I went to graduate from college in columbia college i used to live for several years i love the city but again but i just want to get into that i'm not saying that didn't happen or that wasn't traumatizing but just think about what what that does now so the internet wants you to believe all white people are uh, racist and all black people are violent. And it just fits into this. All gay people are groomers. All men are sexist rapists. All women are whore. It's like, that's just be, that's just what is going on now. This is how they're, they're dividing and conquering. And I'm not saying 
that didn't happen. That just happened down here in uh, L.A. at a gas station. But what I noticed was how well the whole thing was shot, almost like a cruise yeah. down there. So if you see that one thing that happened in New York City where that that uh, that black guy is going at the, after that British family, and there's just there's just it just shot so well. Just a guy yeah. sitting there perfectly shooting everything. Nobody's doing anything. It's just shot so well. But I, but I guess whether whether it's whether it's organic or inorganic, the effect and the byproduct is still the same. As you said, Sam, it's not only just divide and conquer, it's divide and control because that's where they want us. David Icke said it's best, man. Create the groups, and other people have said it. Create the groups. Place the groups against each other and then, you know, order up chaos, you know, bring bring order to the chaos you created. And, you know, Agenda 2030, Agenda 21 isn't just for the 21st. I mean, it's a, it's a long game. So I forget. I think it was Johnny or somebody who mentioned it earlier, like we're kind of the infant stages of this. We won't be around when we see this fully manifested and we see the fucking smart cities, et cetera, et cetera, that we're going to willingly put ourselves into. I'm just... It, it, Again, going back to Charlie's controlled demolition of the American, we're seeing this in real time, real time, whether it, again, happened or didn't happen, organic or didn't, you know, it's next level chaos we're seeing this, right now. In this my, is so so here's the thing we talked about. I'm sorry, say it again, Charlie. This is what Yuri Besmanov talked about. Exactly. This process of exactly. demoralization. Or, and, and he also said that he said there's a predictable thing that happens with this group, the the group that goes around causing the brown shirts, essentially, that go around causing chaos and doing everything. When the, the time comes, yeah. what they don't realize is that when the time comes, they will be put up against the wall. Yes. And they won't understand yes. why that is. But that's this group right now, this group of of dumbed down Antifa, whatever, the mob groups, this is all part of a long, well-worn strategy. This is, yes. you can you can watch it play out over the next decade. But this is, this is part of the problem. The brown shirts never realized that the SS was being grown alongside them. And when the time came, the SS took care of the brown shirts. That's what will happen here. They yeah. just don't understand history. So they'll be caught off guard by it. Well, if I was a controller and I knew that I could control people's emotions via Facebook and Twitter and TikTok, I'm sure is even better at it. Uh, and I knew that I could plant ideas in people's minds via these, you know, methods. And what I would really want to do is I would want to not allow foreign agents to have access to my population that I want to control this way. And I would perfect my ability to control people in this way. And I feel like these things, like we were saying, well, while on the one hand, they're not organic, really, and they're also not happening as frequently or as horribly as we are being shown by the media, which is exacerbating that view of it. Um, they are happening and, and, you know, they're happening in this way that is very, very contrived and controlled. And I think, you know, where it could have even had like an organic start, like one kid could have actually been like, Hey guys, let's like go do this or whatever. And then the algorithm was like, perfect. I can tell that this group of people is online at this time. Most of these times I can tell that that same group of people is super impressionable. I can tell that all of those same groups of people are very angry and want an outlet or whatever. And so I'm going to drop it in front of them. And now I know I'm going to get this reaction out of that. That's a powerful tool. Well, and and if they could do, if they could do flash mobs to do the little stupid dances in, in malls, they, can you know do it in in a, in a violent way like again going back to the arab spring because that was very contrived as well this is uh fifth generation warfare 
That's what we're Thank seeing. You. That's Thank what you. we're seeing out on the streets. That's what I kind of meant by the TikTok apocalypse, you know? You can create a load of, oh, everybody's just so excited. There's this thing that's happening on here, and we got to go to here, and we got to do this, and all our friends are going, and we're going to phone up all our friends, and it's going to be mayhem. And um, all of it's just, they're being, like you say, like like funneled by algorithms, by people who are like the, the neocons I mentioned earlier out of the uh, Alliance for Secure and Democracy who are building ang- algorithms and controlling people's directions so you get fifth generation warfare it's just well, like and we, we just uh, not, not too long ago interviewed lieutenant general michael flynn whatever everybody thinks of him we were talking about his book uh fifth generational warfare asymmetrical warfare nonlinear warfare and all of this is definitely a part of that and so that was i was definitely curious to hear everybody's kind of take on that because that seems to be the order of the day yeah you'll still always have kinetic warfare but look at china man and i guess I will end this question, but are we, is it an inevitable, inevitable war with China? But look at what they've been doing for the last 20 plus years. Not only just one belt road taking over Eurasia, string of pearls all throughout the Indian Ocean, et cetera, uh, Africa, Latin America, and they haven't fired a single fucking shot. So any kind of war, it's like, wow, you've let the anaconda creep up on you for the last 20 years and now you're going to trip because it's starting to squeeze you. Well, the, so the, it, 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 let me ask everybody, is that war inevitable? And I think Taiwan is all about sim- Taiwan semiconductor and whoever controls that and the, the, the manufacturing design of semiconductors, microprocessors really controls the pie of this next evolution of what we call this technocracy. So I think Taiwan is less about them breaking away from China. They could really give a shit less, but they control the design and manufacturing of very, very valuable assets, which are these um, these chips. So is war inevitable? Is it just a matter of time? It's not even... It's not even the chips, it's molding. Taiwan has the ability and the technology to do these molds that the vast majority of the planet doesn't. And in as much as they have a disproportionate market share over semiconductors and chips, it's even more disproportionate for their ability to create these molds. So at the the root of it, because we've got multiple different countries that are in a chip race and in a semiconductor facility race to do that. If you look at the National Defense Authorization Act for 2020, they've outlined the blueprint for rare earth mineral acquisition via the traditional method of destabilization in the country and then full scale you know, both kinetic and asymmetric warfare, uh, usually arming both sides of that conflict. Um, the the I, the upcoming war with China, I think, is one of those things where eventually, sooner than later, likely, Oceania has to have always been at war with Eurasia. Because you've got to still be able to build the facilities. You've got to still be able to build the infrastructure to imprison everyone in a a digital hellscape in perpetuity. You can't do that if everyone's in the middle of a a hot war. So there's got to be that Cold War era where we can ramp up the infrastructure because we're in a race for domination against the Chinese and you're going to get us to get the bad guys and we got to build this young America. Yeah, so you got to do that. And I think we're about ready to get pushed into that point. There's got to be a constant feeling that we're on the edge 
of war. We're on a perpetual war that never quite comes, never comes to fruition, unless they're going to fire a nuke over here or over there just to make everybody even more panicked. You know, that's what they need. They need to make us feel that. Well, we're well per, per what you edge. said about fifth generation war, are we not already in a war? It's just not a kinetic war. I mean, look at how those guys have been building bases and what the economic and trade agreements that they've made throughout the world, which is almost the same thing as, um, you know, it, an extension of those trade agreements or military agreements eventually. And this kind of gets into that diary of an economic hate man with John Perkins. Like this is how they take countries over, not physically doing how America's kind of done it and it's going in scorched earth. They create these symbiotic relationships where like everybody's winning. And again, they don't fire a freaking shot. Yeah. War for influence for the coming globalist regime. That's what this is like. They're all trying to, trying to, or each nation is trying to get their piece of the pie for when yes. that pie appears. I think well, and, and the hard part is most people, and I think this is why people fall for, fall for so many of these tricks, is you saw during COVID, right? It's like they don't see the big picture. They only see the now. Everybody's living in the now. We're busy. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Everybody's busy. So with COVID, it's like, okay, yeah, we'll just lock down for two weeks. And then, oh, we'll just lock down for a month. We'll just lock down for six months. We'll just whatever. Oh, we'll just mask up for a little bit. And it's like, we could, we're constantly seeing things in the big picture. And it's like, oh no, I see where this is heading. I see, you know, how, where this could, is going to be an issue. Maybe it'll never go away. And the average person doesn't. They don't look at things in the big picture. And also, all the people we're referring to, that's all they do is talk about big picture and talk about 20 years in advance, 30 years in advance. So it's always baby steps in that direction. So when you're talking to somebody and you're trying to convince them that this is the outcome, that outcome is so far from where we are right now that they can't comprehend it. They have, they struggle to, to see that path where, us were like, well, look at all these other examples. Like you, it, they said just this and then they wanted more. You know, it's like anybody who lives in any state, it's like, oh, we're just going to raise the taxes a little bit for, you know, to help with infrastructure or whatever. And then like 10 years from now, it's like, we're just going to raise the taxes a little bit for this or for that. You know, it's like you're falling for the same trick over and over again. Well, I, I often, I often say, you know, that the line was people are playing, people are playing checkers when the game is chess. And it's like, nah, man, people are playing fucking shoots and ladders and the game is chess. Like it's, it's, it's so, I'm not smarter or cooler or better than anybody, but to see the masses being like you just said, this mass Stockholm syndrome that we keep falling for the same freaking okie doke, the banana, the tailpipe, as they say in Beverly Hills Cop, it's so beyond frustrating. But I mean, I don't know. Conversations like these help me realize I'm not going crazy and I'm not the only one seeing the shit. Hey, Jeffrey, uh, someone in the chat is asking, what's your sh uh, shirt say? Oh, baby, right here. IAOC. It's all organized crime around here, you know? <laughs> Go check it out, tcf-store.com. It's a little, some little swag for the uh, conspiracy farm. But yeah, because literally, I mean, as, as these kind of conversations, whether it's the vaccine, the banking industry, the religion, whatever, it's all a hustle, man. It's all organized crime. Washing money everywhere, the black market economy of people, guns, body parts, all that shit, dude. It's all organized crime. So pardon me. I'm really glad that Ricky made you talk because it's so true. I've been working in the the quote unquote regulatory agencies, NCDC, ACIP, FDA, NIAID, NIH. I mean, name the lettered agencies, and the, it has all been organized crime for the last 15 years. I don't know if you guys remember when Tom Brokaw used to do the NBC Nightly News. Unfortunately, when I used to watch that garbage, but he used to have a segment called the Fleecing of America. And I was a kid when I used to watch it. And like each one was like some of the most craziest, hugely indictable crimes. Where it was like, yeah, they're just getting away with you know this grift, this grift, whatever it is. And now as a grown adult getting into Ukraine and understanding the larger context of the grand chessboard, it's all organized crime. 
I'm not sure if anybody brought this up. I'm, I was out tending to chickens. So during, during the conversation about uh, with Kevin about who is going to buy into this, um, did anybody bring up uh, the fact that if you get a, a paycheck from the government and they want you on the central digital bank currency, uh, they'll potentially give you an offer. You can have the current dollar. You can currently have $1,000 that you typically get every month, or we'll give you $1,200 in the central bank digital currency. How many people do you think will choose the $1,200 version versus stick with their Federal Reserve notes? So I think you'll see a lot of things like that, incentives to get people on the new system until they just pull the rug out from underneath everyone. But it's that incremental kind of movement that they'll do. They'll, basically, coupons is what they're going to offer people, and I think people will sign up. Well, it's similar to how they trap wild pigs. Um, what they do is they take a little bit of feed and they just throw it out in the field. Pigs get used to eating it. They eat it. They eat it. They eat it. Then they put up one length of fence. Pigs freak out. They run. But they notice the food's still there and the fence is not hurting them, so they go back to the same habits. right? And you just repeat that until you have everything but a gate. And then once the pigs come in for the last time thinking, ooh, yeah, another free meal, you shut the gate, the deed is done. I think that's a lot about what you're saying there, Mike. Yeah. These and everything <clears throat> else that's coming down the Restrict Act. It's just, it's, it's mind blowing, man. But that's the concern about the you know universal basic income. It's like when you hear Yang talk about it, it's like, well, that makes sense. Everything's being automated and blah, blah, blah. And it all seems like, yeah, you know, I, I can see that whole theory of like, okay, maybe we give everybody enough money just to survive, you know, for their necessities. Maybe there's some positives in that, but you have to understand that like once you're on the government tit, like you're, you're stuck there, you know? And, and then it's like, well, now I'm just going to do what I'm told. I'm not going to go against the government because they're the ones giving me my check every week. And, and they're the ones keeping me, you know, alive and surviving. Like, you know, that's what they're doing. They're molding a system where everybody's kind of like their survival is is based on the survival of the government, you know, and and that's what's going to happen eventually. But isn't that that brave new world quote from Aldous Huxley where he talks about we're, there's going to come a point where we're going to beg for our enslavement, you know, slavery by servitude. We're going to, you know, they obviously need our participation for this whole thing to happen, but we're going to beg for it. Yeah, he, in this his 62 speech, um, he talked about there's technologies that they're working on that will make people love their servitude and exist in a lifestyle, paraphrasing, that no decent person should accept. And this is in 62. And when he wrote right. you know, his original works, when you read the addendum to it, he talks openly about the way he did it is he, because he was part of the global education elite, is basically took the technology that they're working on at that time. Keep in mind, this book was written, I believe, in the 30s. And then he just put it in a dramatic sense and looked out to the future. And that's how he wrote The Brave New World. And I'll be damned if that book, which should have been nonfiction, is not turning out to be somewhat a lot of a blueprint or a documentary about the times we're living in now. I've got to completely digress. Sorry, Charlie, but um, oh. you, sir, Nature Boy, um, 
how long you been a voiceover actor, sir? You should be narrating documentaries like yesterday. I've been doing voiceover. I've been in SAG since 2009. Bro, you have a fucking future in some voiceover. Holler at your boy if you want to holler after the show. Anyway, go ahead. You're too, you're too kind, man. It, it's uh, it's good money if, if you can get it. Like the old It is. Way. It is. You can get home studio. I, I record them from right here in my little home studio. But anyway. I'm here. That's the beauty about technology is we can do things that would 20, 30. You do, it, you, you do, do voiceover bucks. work already? You are he, he did OBDM's intro. Yeah. Oh OBDM. shit! My bad. My bad. I'm sleeping on him. I was. I, I, no, no, no. He should be used everywhere. He's that good. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have like two scripts I haven't written yet specifically for him to do voiceover work with. But we talked about it like six weeks ago. I just haven't done it yet. That's oh, all good, man. It's all good. I just like. I just loved producing. That's it, man. And I really enjoy being around y'all on the union because it's nice to be the dumbest person in the room and hear these amazing conversations and these different ideas that you're not going to hear in very few venues. Man. Well, thank you for saying that. Now I can AI clone your voice and not pay you anything. <laughs> That's oh, coming, baby. That's coming. It's, coming. I, we, it's, coming. it's already there. It's, the, it's pretty sure. good, but it's not, it's not as good as the real deal. Yeah, and that'd really be fucked up if all of a sudden I'm hearing national ads and I'm going, Dude, that's my voice. <laughs> they're gonna get there where they don't, where they can just have some artificial voice do it. Oh, and acting the whole nine yards. I mean, oh, the, yeah. the future holds. I remember back in the nineties watching those. There were like animated computer videos to like new age music and stuff like that. And I looked at my roommate and I said, "Man, it's not going to be too far down the road where you're going to not be able to tell where the computer ends and reality begins." Yeah, I mean, that was accomplished in the 2000s. Didn't James Earl Jones recently sell his rights and ability? They can AI his voice to do Darth Vader now? Yeah, I think wow. so. I think he did license his, his voice to where... That's it, yeah. Yeah, uh, to where then, now he will just be the voice of Darth Vader for however long Star Wars lasts. And I think they're, they're doing... Uh, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, did the same thing with his voice and his likeness. Um, I think Bruce Bruce Willis did that, Bruce, I believe. Yeah, he did likeness. Bruce Willis did? did? Yeah, Bruce Willis yes. did. Man, so he's going to be it, Die Hard forever? Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> exactly. I'll watch it. Why and not? then there was that super creepy video where it's Morgan Freeman, but it's also like a, a bald white dude. And they're talking that the in the middle of it, Morgan Freeman's like, welcome to a synthetic <laughs> And it, that, there's no such thing as reality anymore. And it's... I don't know that Will Smith shit where he's like, I've looked like this for 20 years and blah, blah, blah. And then it flashes the old ass Will Smith. And I don't know. Isn't that again, one of these, we may not see it, but isn't that one of those inevitabilities? I just posted something about a McDonald's just opened his first employee free restaurant, like newscasters, lawyers. Like, why would you need those guys? They could just repeat, download the information, make it look real. I mean, there's a lot of jobs that Am I am I wrong? Going to be completely eliminated? Maybe not immediately, but it's coming, right? I would say ten I'm years. Gonna, ten years. The optimistic perspective on this, I uh, I'm I see with music, I see with a lot of different things. Like we people thought that Zoom calls and Skype was going to be the end of in person meetings, and I I just think there's something missing in the digital world that cannot be recreated, and I think it's the reason why when you like we all met in person. Um, you know, I'd be buying the first round and we definitely would be buzzing after a couple, uh, I know <laughs> oh, wait, oh, some sober people. Sorry. Sorry, Steve. Well, we'll somebody will, will get high. I don't give a fuck how much you drink, buddy. <laughs> I, I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. 
But, you know, it, there would be a connection that you just cannot recreate over the internet. And it, and with music, when I brought up music, it's the same thing. Like, and I, I'm, I think, uh, Mike would probably agree as a musician. Like, there's something about this overproduced music that it just seems like something is missing. Like, it's just overproduced and the, the imperfections of older music. It, it's like you can't even explain what it is, but it, you just connect to it better you know it's like i i like watches i there's something about a digital watch that i just don't get electric cars i don't get i think because humans can are, are closer to a mechanical thing than a you know a electronic or digital thing like we can we look at a digital watch and we're just like ah oh, that doesn't seem human that doesn't seem like nature that doesn't it just there's a connection there and um you know i i just i want to believe that no matter how good computers and AI and all this technology gets, that there's still going to be something that seems like it's missing, you know, and, and we just might not all, I mean, and I think that a lot of the people that we think about, like that would accept that world immediately, it's because they're, they are unhappy. And it's, it's, you know, it, somebody brought it up earlier. Like it, it does seem like a cult. And how many of these people who join these, these, you know, radical lefties groups or whatever are just lost people who are looking for a home. They'd be the same ones who would join Charlie Manson or join whatever cult you can come up with. Like they're just looking for a home. And then when they find this community, it's not so much because they actually, and I think it was uh, Lindsay who brought it up. Like you go to protest. It's like everybody's just there you know, uh, pretending they're really passionate about some, bu some bullshit. And it's like, you're right. It seems like that because a lot of times they are just bullshitting their way in this community. And they're like, okay, I found a home. And so I just want to be a part of this clique. And I finally have a community and friends and, and, you know, and some sense of fulfillment because now I feel like I'm fighting for something that seems right. So it gives me some sense of fulfillment and it, it's all just fake, you know, but, uh, yeah, I try to look at it, you know, from the op optimistic perspective that I think that no matter how, much technology progresses i think there's going to be some of us humans that are still like i don't want to go into that world like i it doesn't it it still feels synthetic it's almost it's like all, the resurgence of vinyl over the last several years like you know everything is digital and all that stuff but like vinyl or even and i'm old so you know i could sit home and play video games on my controller if i walk past an arcade game in a mall or something i am going in there and dropping some quarters in the old school game but you're, you're absolutely right and I forget one of the, I forget one of the titans of industry. They were talking about how children are born digital. So we are going to start getting phased out with, you know, there, there will always be, but anyway, I'm just, kids are just going to be raised with this stuff. They're not going to know the old school vintage, whatever, but there'll always be that slice that, of you know, be very nostalgic, if you will. But I think as time goes on, that stuff's going to slowly get phased out. But I appreciate the fact that you do have more of an optimistic view. Um, even though like, you know, we were just saying, you know, Aldous Huxley's talking about this stuff from the thirties, forties, fifties, this, I, I, not to be fatalistic, but I have this almost kind of inevitability about where we're going, not immediately, but, I do agree with you, Ricky, enjoying those slices of just old nostalgia, old school stuff, and why, not let the uh, 
we, yeah. we, like we are all so important because we are not just living in like the, the new digital world we've seen the transition from we've been spectators we've watched all this and like yes. you said, one of the biggest problems is there's kids like mine and and probably many of us here you know uh who have kids that we you know we probably have in vegas or somewhere um but those kids are going to grow up in in a world where like this is the norm like this is just normal like ha having an instagram page spending all day on tiktok is the norm and whatever you grow up in that's the norm so unfortunately like that is scary that there's going to be people who grow up and it's like oh like having zero privacy and knowing that everything i do online uh is being downloaded by google and you know and my android is listening to me at all times like that's just normal and that's just you know the world we live in and you know we need people who have lived you know previously before you know and lived and seen the transition to be like no no, no this is a normal and it wasn't always normal and we need to like save them before like jeffrey said we're all gone and then you know the only people left are other people who grew up in this normal you know so. and we're already hearing it now like why would i talk to you just and it's sustained why would i talk text me you fucking idiot and that's what's going to be like why would i go hang out with you let's meta let's go to our digital hangout and i, I again i don't be fatalistic about it but that seems like that's the trend they're pushing us towards is no human interaction you can get into why the mass existed and all that other stuff to limit human interaction facial expressions these subtleties of human interaction that make human interaction what it is and they're slowly chipping away at it to you know enter meta enter you know don't don't call me and talk to me i don't want to hear your voice i want to emoji and shrink the language down so it's all about images as opposed to i don't know i could be reaching well, you, there, but yeah. you so said that the kids are going to be born digital but i and it's and you're right they're born into this digital facade that's placed on top of them that they're supposed to like merge into and they get addicted to it and that's by yes. design right the endorphins or dopamine whichever one it is but, you know, we're actually born analog and nature is analog and, and we react to analog more deeply than we react to digital. We feel better about analog than we feel about digital. And even there was this woman who her kid was getting into the whole trans thing. And so she took her phone and her computer away and she made her start gardening with her. And she, within like a week, dropped the whole trans thing because gardening is analog and her mother is analog. And she actually wants that more than she wants the endorphins or do dopamine, whichever it is, of the electronic realm because humans are of nature and nature mm. is analog. What we really want is this. And I had Sophia Smallstrom actually sent me a bit of her voice that had been spit out by one of these AI voice, you know, things. And she was like, tell me before she told me, she's like, do you, like, is this what, how, how do you feel about this basically? And I was like, no, that doesn't sound like you. It sounded exactly like her. But I could tell that it wasn't. And I can't even tell you, like Ricky was saying, why doesn't it sound like her? I'm not really sure. I just know that it's not her. <laughs> and so there's something they'll never get right. There's something that we all respond to that is beyond what they're doing. And that is why I'm I'm optimistic with Ricky mm. about how things will go. Even in uh, Neil Stevenson's, one of his books, and maybe it was a young girl's primer, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, the the rich people can afford to hire real humans to do their acting and their engagement and these things, and poor people have to do the digital, you know? So, I think people want this, and I think they'll always want it. I think Ricky, some people will accept, like, fake AI, deep fakes, even though there's, there's a quality that is just not human. I think if you put the viewer in a stressful state and make them unsure they will respond to it and accept it. But they have to be stressed already. You you were 
when you were presented with that information, Lindsay, you were you were evaluating it. You weren't probably stressed, and you could probably analyze it. And like, and there's something about this not right. But if you're stressed, and you have to make quick decisions. You'll probably buy into it. Well, and I also think, like we said before, I think a lot of it is just we've build a world of unhappy people. Like everybody's over medicated, everybody's overworked, everybody's told like, you know, if you're not working overtime on weekends, you're not taking whatever, like uh, all these extra shifts, you're a lazy ass, right? That's like the world that our parents grew up in and they end up, many of them, not mine, but many of them end up divorced because of that atmosphere. It's like a relationship is a plant that needs to be watered. And if you don't water it, it dies. And it's like, you know, well, how am I divorced? It's like, well, because you, all you did was work or how are my kids fucked up? I was, you know, I'm a good person who put food on the table. Well, that's because you weren't present, you know, and that relationship also needed to be watered. So it just, I think there is going to be some people that would accept that even if it doesn't seem real or doesn't seem, it doesn't, it seems like something's missing. It's better than reality they're living in because they're unhappy and they're stressed. And I think those are, but many of us who are at peace with our lives and, and, you know, find fulfillment in things like this, like connecting with others and, and, and having hobbies and, and eating the right, you know, that eating the right foods we talked about diet nutrition. I do a lot of shows on that because I think that's kind of another thing that gets not enough attention. Like how much of our unhappiness comes from like, you know, this chemical experiment that is our body and, and mind. We're putting in the wrong ingredients and it's causing, you know, chaos and, and it's making us depressed or low energy or whatever, you know? So, um, I, I do think that the, there's always going to be a percentage of the population that's unhappy, but that, that really starts from the ground up. Like we have to tell people that like this path to happiness isn't work or, you know, this nonsense that we're being sold. It's, it's finding fulfillment. It's finding, um, happiness in the simple things. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer of like, I don't look at the word content as a bad thing. Like, you know, especially in America, like it's all about like, you got to get ahead, got to get ahead, you know, be, you know, uh, um, work, get promoted, all this stuff. And I'm like, what's wrong with just being content? Like I'm content with, you know, the people that I have being grateful for the things I have and, and not spending my whole life, you know, wanting more and desiring more. Cause to me, that's, that can lead to unhappiness too, you know? And, um, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, a lot of us need to just find peace. Like we need to tell people like, Hey, get your diet right, exercise, get off those meds, you know, maybe take a job that pays a little less, but stresses you out a lot less. Right. And, and you can go home in a good mood. And so you're not yelling at your kids the second they get on your nerves, you know, and, and all, or you're not getting in a fight with your wife because, you know, you're stressed out about work. It's not even about her. It's about all these other things. And, so I, I just think that the world that we're creating creates all these issues and we really do need to start from the ground up. Finding that balance, man, it's really tough. Cause you, you, you take a larger job or take a less paying job to less, less stress you out. I mean, people talk about all the time how most fights and divorces are financial issues at home. So now you take a job that pays you less and you're less stressed, but now you're arguing with your gal about not having enough money. So again, it's for everybody. It's different, but striking that balance is, it's it's difficult, man. It's not an easy thing, right. but I think balance is just hugely important. But don't you think like so? I I know I know people that are like, well, I got to make that money because I got all these bills, and I'm like, 
Yeah, that's all a part of the problem that I'm talking about. Because you're, you've been convinced you need the newest car, and you've been convinced you need that biggest house in the nicest neighborhood. And then you're a slave to that house, you're a slave to that car, you're a slave to all these material things. And none of the, you know, satisfaction is the death of desire. Like once you're, you, you, you know, you get that thing, desire's gone, satisfaction's gone, and you're back at the ground one again. So it's like, mm-hmm. you got to stop finding you know, or searching for happiness in what, you know, the world has told you, you'll find it, which is material things and finding external. How many and that's not, yeah, not, like, not to go too deep down that rabbit hole, but I'm a huge Eckhart Tolle fan. And he always talks about our, there's our life and our life situation. Our life situation is our external shit. I've been married 30 years. I've been at this job for 30 years. I got the newest car, et cetera, et cetera. When our life, our life, our life is, I mean, personally, we're infinite conscious awareness, right? But we tend to define who we are in our life situation or in our life by our life situation. And again, striking that balance, you can have a bunch of cool stuff, but don't allow that to define who you are. Because again, not to go too deep, too deep down the rabbit hole, but that attachment to that external shit, we don't, we can't allow external things to throw off our internal spiritual equanimity, but we do it all the time because we define our stuff by our external stuff. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the perils of uh, commercialism or materialism is we're being programmed and taught that the path to happiness is an external source. The new Mercedes, the big house on the hill, the hot looking trophy wife, that's that's happiness, buddy. You know, having that $10 million bank account and that nice little yacht down there in the bay, that's happiness where it's absolutely, it's false. It, it's more of a digital as opposed to an analog because what I found is happiness is intrinsic, right? You can't buy happiness, but once you have that intrinsic happiness by using some material things you can make it a whole hell of a lot better but if you ain't got it internally ain't there's no mercedes bmws or houses that's going to change that you're still going to be a miserable sob <laughs> it's going to be a rich one that's all wherever you, know, you go there you are there you are lindsay you brought something interesting up um the analog to digital and you know i'm from the generation that i grew up part of my life with one foot in the analog world and the other on the digital and I can appreciate both worlds, but as I get older, I start to appreciate the analog. It's like the difference between going to a live concert, right? And listening to a CD. There, there's no comparison, but so much of modern society, especially the kids have no experience, man. You take a young kid to a Metallica concert, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to blow his mind because he's going to have a whole different experiences of these different sensational these inputs coming to him. But if the only thing that the kid does is watch videos and listen to Miley Cyrus, man, he's lost. So, you know, it's crazy. When we're training dogs, we have this concept. You're supposed to bring your dog to a thousand places, meet a thousand people, have a thousand new experiences in like the first year or two or something. But nobody has that with their children. Mm. <laughs> like they don't have that same concept where, like, yeah, you also have to do the same thing where you invite them to experience all of these things, ideally in the analog reality and not just digitally. Uh, I think it's a balance. I, I watched a great interview w- w- speaking of the music and the analog kind of going from one to the other with Butch Vig, who produced Nevermind and Siamese Dreams, things like that, amongst others. And, and he was explaining the intricacies of how he set up a song and where he put the microphones and which microphones he used and where he put, and there would be multiple ones. And then he would double stack these tracks and all this complicated shit. And I, I didn't even understand. 
but it was like a two minute explanation about how he set up this perfect scene for just this one part of this one song on this one album. And then he was just like, yeah, now it's all pro tools. Yeah. And it feels like it. Bull walked in and was like, okay, I'm going to play the gap band over this. Uh, and that's just, that's how they did like that entire album was him ripping off the gap band for the whole thing. That I think yeah. this, this speaks to the, the quality of music these days. Uh, like uh, my wife, she sings in a band and I uh, went to go see her play out live uh, last week. And there's a different experience when you go see, uh, a, a live concert. Uh, there's a different energy there. You feel the the music because air is being pushed off those speakers. They're they're moving around. There's other people there. You're sharing the experience with. There's something unique there. And the way they practice uh, is the way that the people back in the 60s and 70s recorded, which you recorded all live, and they, they try to record it as real as a live performance as possible. Now, currently, most people. Uh, they record with uh, one person in a bedroom, and they do 20 takes. And then they copy and paste the best takes from each of those 20 to make one full song. And what's lost in that is the nuances per take, a different energy level. What they have is an unrealistic, perfected version of a song that is never duplicated live. You're basically, is basically like the TikTok moments, the best TikTok moments of those sessions and there's something very artificial to that and it, there's something very sterile to that you got to leave some of the imperfections to humanity in the art or else is this going to be vacant of any any kind of like important meaning well look at auto-tune right like it, you would think like oh auto-tune makes you sound perfect it puts you right exactly where you should be if you're not there so everybody should love this and it should be a hit and everybody should love listening to it because it's perfect and it sounds awful and we'd rather just hear somebody's imperfections and hear somebody you know maybe not get it right every single time and like you said like you can that's one part of of music and i actually i use pro tools and i yeah yeah so does mike so we know how easy it is to take a good take and then you just copy and paste it you copy and paste it like okay i'm gonna sing this this is the best take of the chorus i'm gonna use this for every time there's a chorus part and i'm just gonna paste it there but listening to it and this goes to like the average person who maybe doesn't know how music is made you might not know that somebody's done that but you listen to that song you're like there's something artificial about the song like it just doesn't and you might not pick up on the fact that that's what they've done but you're like this is just too perfect it doesn't seem real you know so i mean maybe i'm wrong and maybe you know ai will figure out like hey let's put some imperfections somewhere uh to make it seem real and that is a possibility and uh but that gives me nightmares. So like gonna... Trent Reznor does that right now. So Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, he knows his stuff will sound synthetic. So he will program little missteps of of the drum beat, maybe just off by just a little fraction of like a hi hat. But he will program in imperfections to make it seem more lived in, more real. He understands this, and I'm I'm sure technology will will catch up to to do that. But uh, uh I don't know what that means. That that is a setting in uh whatever that I don't remember. Reason Reason has that as a setting. Oh really? Flaws. Introduce yeah, like the slight imperfections that you can add. Yeah, that's pretty bad when you have to actually program in mistakes. <laughs> that, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. I, mean, I just I just flashed back. You know, what, what, I love I'm a Led Zeppelin freak, and 
there's a song, I forgot what album it is, I think it's Black Magic Mama or something like that. In the beginning of it, right as pay, Plant's about ready to take the vocal take, there's an air, a plane that flies over it. And they actually kept it in because he stopped for a second and says something like, hey, is that an airplane? And he kind of laughed and then they started the song and that was an imperfection of the recording, but they kept it in there and it made, it gave that song a unique quality. And as a kid, I used to always love that little introduction and I'd always say it before the song. So, you know, imperfections are beauty. Unfortunately, we live in a sterilized situation or world and it seems like it's just getting more sterile. We live in a very disingenuous uh, society right now, and I think it's becoming obvious for people that are paying attention how fake a lot of things really are. It stands out that inauthenticity just amongst people or ideas or agendas or whatever. It's glowing. As they say, you know, so I, I, I think the reaction to that is the, the rise in popularity of podcasts and uh, live streams where there is room for improv to mess up, to show that you're not always going to say the, the right thing. Pr long conversations where you're going to goof up, read something wrong over and over again, mispronounce words. I think people find that uh, genuine. And there, there is a real humanity to that that is not being served on other platforms. Well, well and especially with what we do. I'm sorry, but there's there's a whole crew of people that are waiting to tear the shit out of you for just misquoting, misstating, saying the wrong date. Yeah. Especially in kind of this genre. Like, oh, you're a shill. It's not the whatever. It wasn't 1913. It was 1914. Like, oh, fuck. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm at the last page of, of our script, Mike, which says that it's time to wrap it up. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to let you know. So those that those that dropped off in advance, we had Graham Dunlop from Grimerica. Go over to grimerica.ca, adultbrain.ca. Support their work. If you need an audio book, those guys are like, they've got a little operation going over there. Go check it out. That's adultbrain.ca. Um, Sam Tripoli, co-host here. Go catch all his stuff. Over at Rockfin, if you if you can, otherwise uh, catch him live. He's on tour, whoring himself out on the road like he should. Jason Burmis yep. is here. We appreciate him. Um, uh, Red Voice Radio or Red Voice Media, I think, is is his new thing that he's doing with with uh, with Pat. And speaking of Pat, we've got. Uh, We've got Jeffrey Wilson, one half of the Conspiracy Farm with Pat Militich. Uh, want you to tell everybody where they can find your work. Good to see you again, man. I miss you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We just had Charlie on one of our last episodes. Um, like I said, I don't know how, how it works anymore. You could probably still find us under the Conspiracy Farm, but you could definitely find us under that podcast network. We've kind of taken that platform and expanded it. We got our show. We got my show I do called It's Me Speaking to You. I got former uh, Raiders wide receiver Kenny Shedd has a show on there. Everything Combat, archived episodes of that. But uh, that's where you can find us, um, that podcast network. And man, it has been so cool listening to you guys and chopping up with you guys. And again, I feel like, you know, not that I never thought I knew it all, but I'm definitely playing catch-up ball. You guys have been on your game, and it's really cool to get to know and meet some of you guys who I've never met before. Ricky, it's great to see you. Obviously, Charlie, great to see you, and nice to meet uh, Susie and anybody else who I'm just meeting tonight. So thank you guys, and keep killing it. You guys are murdering the game right now. Oh, thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, Susie Olsen Corgan was on. She has dropped off. She, You can find spellers.com. Go check check that out. Support her work. Also, my man Johnny Vedmore from Unlimited Hangout just dropped off. You can catch him on my current Macroaggressions episode that's out right now, my interview with him talking about his Black Hand series, which is 
If you like that good James Bond shit, he's talking about the real thing. In fact, including Ian Fleming in it as well. So I'm like not even making it up. So uh, some of the best stuff out there happening in a limited hangout. Lindsay Sharman and I also get to chit-chat every Sunday, which is great on our Day Zero show. What's going on with Rogue Ways? Uh, so much is going on. I do three episodes a week. I live stream all of them at 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays right here on rockfin.com slash rogueways. You can also go to rogueways.org. I have all kinds of stuff there, my books, my sessions that I do one-on-one with people and more. And I am on every podcast app and platform, so you can also listen to Rogueways anywhere you like to do that. And it is really awesome to be here with you guys, so thank you so much. We appreciate you. I'll see you on Sunday as well. Nature Boy, I'll see you on Wednesday yeah. on the Chuck Ocelli show. Yeah, we brought back uh, Wild Card Wednesdays, made some changes, and we actually were moving. By the Wild Card? <laughs> yeah, the Wild Card, yeah, because I book it, and for the longest, he didn't. He doesn't know who I booked and I just throw it at him. And so someone said, that's like a while. Oh, so he doesn't know I'm coming on. This is going to be funny. No, no, no. We've upped our game, man. I, oh, I kind of nice. got out of the show. I was like, dude, you need to do a little bit more show prep, man. He's like, yeah. So we're up in it. We're on Rockfin. So we're actually moving into the video world. You're going to see ugly faces like mine and his occasionally. Uh, we have Chris Graves three, three or three nights nice. a week. We were digging Chris Graves and anybody out there on this panel or any listeners out there, Chris Graves is almost like the new Jordan Maxwell, man. The guy's great. He's super into he, man. He can find you anything. He has, he's, he's like, you, a, he's a, he might be AI. Has he sent you that Dave McGowan on the Boston bombing video, the presentation he did on caravan to midnight? No, I gotta, I gotta hear that. C- celebrating oh, the 10 year anniversary of the fakest event around Boston bombing. I'll have him send it to you. It, it's a mind blower, but dude, it's, Dave McGowan, like I've never seen him before. But other than that, I've, I'm just thankful you guys invited me on. I always have a good time here. We always yeah. enjoy you coming on, and and I and I, but I feel like I I hear you all the time because I listen to OBDM, and and I get you in the intro. So twice a week, baby. Twice a week. Oh, That's by the right. way, Mike, I'm glad to hear about your chicken, man. Yeah, well, really. one one save, one loss, but uh, it's a yeah, battle over right. here. <laughs> Thanks. It's a battle of attrition over at Mike's farm. I'll tell you, it's not good. Uh, Steve Poikinen and Pasta are doing the most hilarious wake-up show in the planetary universe. Where can they find it, Steve? Uh, Rockfin, Rumble, and now you should be able to pick it up through your podcast catchers uh, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, Monday through Friday, seven to ten, I, I do I, I do AM wake up with Craig Pasta Jardula, and it's uh, media deconstruction and jokes, and we have really cool people on, and uh, you should. Pull up for it absolutely i also do a show on sundays called slow news day and i do a show every tuesday called blunt force wisdom both those shows are on the slow news day rockman channel and then all podcast apps and stuff like that um come through and always as always incredibly thankful and incredibly humbled to be on the best ensemble podcast in the multiverse we rock we love you. We appreciate your work. You guys are doing good stuff. People need to just get comfortable turning on Rockfin in the morning live. And if they yeah, do or that, Rumble, then, or, yeah, do that. Yeah, or Rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people are getting away from televisions, and you know, and 
just replacing it with that. Hey, uh, Ricky, before you plug your show, do you have Kevin's info? Because he dropped off relatively early on. Kevin Jenkins. Uh, he's good friends with Susie, and uh, you can. they're both on Instagram. I would really recommend following them. I know Susie's is uh, activist underscore Susie. Uh, and follow her. She's They're always on this vaccine COVID topic and always up to date with everything that's going on. They're very proactive. They're at every event. So definitely check them out. I'll, uh, I'll send the, uh, any, anything that Mike might not already have, uh, to put in the show description for, uh, but I, Kevin's been on, uh, before one other time mm-hmm. and, uh, he's, he's always awesome. He's a great speaker. You can see why he goes to all the events and kills it because he just, you know, he just kills it every time he yeah, talks. Yeah. He's just, uh, awesome to listen to. But, um, yeah. And then the ripple effect podcast.com. Uh, is my turn. Can I plug? I- yeah. 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 I caught your Jim Brewer. I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah, Jim, Jim, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, Jim, Jim's awesome. So I, I give him a, a, a lot of credit for being outspoken and it was a, a great honor to, to talk to him. And honestly, it's just, it's been a, a hell of a, a ride, man, since, uh, I know some of you guys have been doing this longer than me. Mike, Mike, I think has been doing it longer than me, but it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun to get to know all these people and let's still hammer down this idea of a live union of the unwanted. We, I would love to get all, all all of us together. I would love to hang out and uh, and meet people in person. And that's going to happen. We're going to make that happen in Las Vegas at some point. Las Vegas, I mentioned yeah. to Sam a few years ago a con con man a conspiracy it, conference I, I, or conspiracy I, convention. Like we set up booths on Friday and then the Saturday it's all Q and A, dude. Let's get the Rockfin people on the phone. You know what I mean? Like holy Sponsor shit, that this, shit. I yeah, go to seems, Vegas in a heartbeat for that. The Odyssey Martin, people are Martin in Vegas. Vegas. Oh, they are. <laughs> Wow, well, okay. the, the, yeah, the game, the, the, the game Odyssey's that weekend headquartered here. The game that weekend would be how many feds do you spot? Like, hey, Charlie, that's a fed. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's a fed. Quite, like Sam yeah. said, look at that square jawline. That's a fed. Well, we need those little stickum stuff. Those little stickum signs. We can just pat them on the back. Go up there and say, "Hey, brother, how you doing?" <laughs> Smack it on there. It yeah, just it just harder. says "fed" in the back, like we're in the parking lot of a Grateful Dead concert. My uh, Midnight Mike is doing the funniest podcast in the world. It's called Our Big Dumb Mouth. If you haven't subscribed to it yet, well. What is holding you back? It's like being in the middle of a gigantic inside joke that Alex Jones is narrating. Yeah, we don't have really don't have any guests. Uh, I guess to our own detriment, I guess. But uh, we uh, stream live Wednesday at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then again on uh, Saturday at noon. So you can check us out at obdmpod.com. It's just a whole bunch of fun over there, and uh, news headlines and weirdness. It's malarkey. There's a lot of malarkey. Tons of malarkey. And I was promised by the Biden administration it's no just, more yeah. of that. Well. And yet there it is. Yeah. Uh, Macroaggressions goes out twice a week in audio format wherever podcasts are served. In video format, Rockfin, Odyssey, Band.video, Vigilante.tv, website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggression. I write books. You can buy them if you'd like and support the work over at Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Thank you, all. See you, guys. Two weeks from now. Thanks, thank God. Nice pickle.